Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Glamorous Trash. I'm your host, Chelsea DeMontes. I am a comedian, TV writer, filmmaker, and soon-to-be author, and sometimes I'm in stuff too. And today is a glamorous trash talk episode where we take a tangent, discuss something besides a celebrity memoir. I want to discuss a question that has been on my mind, which is, why has the reaction to Taylor Swift dating Travis Kelsey in 2023, 2024 been so different from Jessica Simpson dating Tony Romo in 2007 and 2008? There's so much to get into. So let's dive in. Jupiter Chevrolet General Manager Mike Matetich is a lifelong Cowboys fan. And today he has a message he wants everyone to see, especially Jessica Simpson. A message on his electronic billboard reads, Jessica, leave Tony alone until after the Super Bowl. Michael is all about the football and Jessica is getting in the way. That's her at the Cowboys-Eagles game and we all know what happened there. You know, we want the Cowboys to win. She needs to leave him alone for a little while. I think uh, she really needs to leave him alone. There is good news for those Cowboy fans out there who actually subscribe to the Jessica Jinx. Her publicist announced today that she will not be in attendance on Sunday's game, that she'll be working on an album, so she will not be here. So Cowboy fans can just kind of, you know, relax and enjoy the game like Jessica will be. My guest today is so special. She is the person behind the Practical Margaritas Party, where you watch the movie Practical Magic, one of my faves, and when they start making margaritas, you make margaritas with all your friends, and then continue watching the movie. Genius. Perhaps a bigger credit is that she is one of the original producers of this podcast. Back when we were named Celebrity Book Club and we were on a network, she helped launch this show. She has come back to help us when we were trying to put out more episodes in a short amount of time. Please welcome Corinne Wallace. Hi, Chelsea. Is it so weird to be on mic with me and not producing? It really is, but it it feels great. I made you come on this podcast because you are the one who, I think we're in Instagram messages, you were talking about how wild the reaction to Taylor and Travis Kelsey was in comparison to Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo because Corinne was the producer on that Jessica Simpson episode. Oh God, like four years ago. And you sent me that DM when they first started dating. And so we've just been watching it and watching it. And finally I said, we have to talk about how different this reaction to trailer has been, (laughs) which best mashup name ever trailer. Oh my God. Incredible. The merch sells itself. However, It's been also kind of sad to think about this retrospective with Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo. Let's just recap quickly. Jessica Simpson has a horrific breakup with John Mayer, one of the worst. Listen to the episode if you want to hear it. And she's just, she's looking for a rebound boyfriend. And there's Tony Romo seeming like a nice guy who uses trash bags as curtains. And she said, you know what? This seems like a step up and I'd like to date you. And as she is dating him, anytime she 
goes anywhere with him. She is absolutely lambasted. She is made fun of. She is blamed for every wrong thing he does, for every time the Cowboys lost a game, won a game. And despite Jessica also being from Texas and a very famous hometown pop star, she would be shown in the stands at these games and everyone would treat her like she was the worst thing to ever happen to Tony Romo and the Cowboys. And to contrast it with what we know now, which is Taylor starts dating Travis Kelsey. And it's not that it's everyone's fully supportive of it, but it is in comparison to Jessica Simpson. It's as if we are like applauding them every second of the day. And it's also bringing a lot of people to the NFL, whereas like Jessica's situation was them actively trying to push her out of that sphere. So it's so different in that way. So very different. What were your thoughts when you were taking all this in? Well, I'd like to preface this with, I'm not a big football person, nor am I a huge Taylor Swift fan. I am just a pop culture obsessive who like, I saw this pattern and you're like, what was going on here? And so I came up with a few things. I have a few buckets of ideas of where I think this came from. So I think part of the reason is the era, potentially, like we are just that much better now. This is what I originally thought early on. But since then, there's been this like tidal wave of backlash against Taylor Swift. And would you say we are in a Taylor Swift era's tour era that allows her? Oh, I did. I did write that on the notes and I was like, "Mm, Mm. I didn't mean to make the joke, but here we are. Every era is a Taylor Swift era. Okay. So you originally thought like times have just changed. Yeah. That's what it is. And like kind of an offshoot of that is just, I think that men are expected to be nicer now. I think they don't get away with as much, at least publicly. So when you hear the Chiefs players who aren't Travis Kelsey talking about Taylor, I've seen pull quotes of like, oh, she's great. She works so hard. We love her. Like all these things, which is not how Jessica Simpson was treated by Tony Romo's teammates. And we'll get into that. So I think there's just this kind of like threshold of nice a little bit that we've been Mm -hmm. seeing. I also think generally the Chiefs were doing great. So there wasn't as much reason to hate on Taylor Swift. I wasn't watching Tony Romo play in 2008 and 2009, but I I did some research and his biggest issue is just inconsistency. So like anytime he didn't pull it out for the team, it was like, oh, it's Jessica Simpson's fault. Whereas mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, the Chiefs won most of the games she attended. So it was like, Maybe she's being annoying, quote unquote, but she's also not hurting the team, which is what was placed at like Jessica Simpson's feet. And then just lastly, is it all just the Taylor Swift effect? I had this moment where I'm like, does none of this matter? And it's just like, you can't compare Taylor Swift to anyone else because Mm. right now she's so beloved. She's so ubiquitous that it's just like, she couldn't be criticized because so many people are her fans that they can all stand up for her at once and like take on the NFL, which is a wild thing. I mean, even the idea that maybe the Taylor Swift fandom could take on the NFL fandom marks such a massive change in culture. And we are talking from, let's say, 2008 to 2024. So that is 16 years That is not a large amount of time for that amount of change, if that is what it is. And I I will say there also has been lots of Taylor backlash. It's just very distinctly not the same as Jessica's. Jessica's got violent. It got ugly. It 
felt very dangerous at some points in the way she was just dragged. Whereas when Taylor Swift is dragged, it's a lot lighter. So for example, I want to play a clip right now of some sports commentators just commenting on a slow motion clip they play of Jessica in the stands, just like waving a jersey around and then the things they say about her. Jessica Simpson, if you had played a game of touch football with her Saturday night and you were going to play another game with her after the game on Sunday, would it, as Terrell Owens has said, have distracted you so much that your performance on the field might have been bad? Would that really have distracted you? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Besides, she's got man face. She's got what? She's got a man face. George, looks like a truck driver. Give her a flat top and a mustache, a pair of engineer boots and a black leather jacket, man, you'd be scared of her. Okay, and I want to contrast that, which is just one of many, many, many clips, with one of the very few big digs on Taylor, which in print sounded very bad, but it's actually not that bad at all. It comes from Kelly Clarkson. So let's play this Kelly Clarkson clip where she said kind of a dig towards Taylor. When Taylor surprised oh, and Kelsey was on there as yeah. well. Was that, I mean, because that's hilarious how the hilarious. commentators, it's not hilarious how it is literally taking over the NFL for people that like watching sports now. And, and like, but you have to watch like a, a, a tutorial. It's on like you're watching Housewives while you're right. watching. Yeah, they're just talking about gossip things and you're like, so what about the play? Right. <laughs> like, yes, yes. I, I can only but they're taking it. over. And what's so interesting is that Kelly and Taylor are friends. Kelly played a huge role in Taylor re recording her music to get it back. So, This was her, Kelly Moore, digging on the commentators and them actually doing this to the game. Then she was digging on Taylor, which compared to what happened to Jessica, just very, very different. Let's discuss if it is a Tony Romo, Travis Kelsey thing. Now, everybody listen. During the Super Bowl, we had people over and I was out in my office recording a podcast. So, yeah, I am relying on Tracy Thomas and Aaron Dewey Lennox and Chris DeRosa, which I know is surprising, but he recapped the Super Bowl on Fixing Famous People, and I'm just going to trust that what he said was true. And from my friend Aaron, she said, Tony Romo never won a Super Bowl. And while the Cowboys were still good and America's team, he wasn't doing the same amount of commercials and shit that Travis was already doing pre-Taylor. Also, Romo, definitely a good player, but Travis is first ballot Hall of Fame, one of the greatest tight ends to ever play. Tony Romo is in more commercials now as a commentator than he was at the time he was playing. Travis and his brother were doing chunky soup commercials like four years ago. And as I know from Margaret uh, Cookie, he also had a dating show called Catching Kelsey in 2016. And then she said that Travis Kelsey is a once in a generation talent for real. So taking all that in, is that playing a part in this? There's two places that the hatred for Jessica was coming from. One from the fans, which is maybe like the more comparable thing with this particular issue. But like Jessica was getting hate from the team, like just from Tony Romo's teammates, which is wild to me because she was just going to her boyfriend's games and like probably watching and watching. You know, obviously there's a lot of superstition in sports and things like that. And I think, and you know, hatred of women. So I think that there were just more games where he choked and things like that. I I think I read like just playoff games and stuff. Like he was just not somebody that you could rely on to like take the high pressure situation and like pull it off in the way that, like you said, the quarterback is expected to do. Yeah. Yeah. And Travis Kelsey, having had so many wins under his belt, and they did win the Super Bowl. Now, according to Chris DeRosa, he didn't actually do much in the that game specifically, <laughs> okay. but he's done so much in his career. Yeah. And to your point, 
with Tony Romo and Jessica Simpson, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver Terrell Owens said he wanted Jessica Simpson to stay away from future games and gave a quote to the press saying, right now, she's not a fan favorite in this locker room or in a Texas stadium. Like, don't come to the games. And these are Tony Romo's teammates, like, talking to the press about her. And like you said, Kelsey's teammates have not said that either a full true opinion they have or they know the power of the Swifties. Exactly. And Swifties will ruin (laughs) your your motherfucking life. What are you more afraid of? Are you more afraid of? (laughs) I'm... I'm scared of them. And like, I nobody, but I'm like, what if one of them hears this podcast and I said I wasn't a Taylor Swift fan? And I'm like, are they gonna, they're gonna dox me? Like, I don't know. No, not at all. And in fact, it's wonderful watching this reaction happen. And yes, this should pivot us to a next point. Is it because Taylor Swift has economic power? The only real power that Americans respect, money. And, you know, Taylor's tour was number one. She just brought back the economy with Beyonce this summer and the Barbie movie. She has sold 114 million albums. Jessica, by comparison, sold 20 million albums. Now, adjust for inflation, but also adjust for the fact that no one really buys albums anymore. So, like, it's huge. And Taylor is a really powerful economic force (laughs) and the money she holds and the fans she holds in a way that Jessica never had. Like Jessica's power really came from her clothing line. So does Taylor just actually hold more power and financial power and fan power? And that is why Jessica Simpson suffered. She simply was not the most powerful woman in the country at the time. Yeah, because people are so mad. The people who are mad are so mad at Taylor Swift. And I watched before this when I was doing my little research, just like commentators being like, Swifties, stay with us. We'll be here all night. Like they know she's bringing in eyeballs and they're courting that. And yeah, that's just something Jessica couldn't do. And also I think wasn't interested in doing, not that Taylor Swift necessarily is, but I think like for her, She's just a woman going to a game. (laughs) If I had to place money on this debate, I would put all my money on the fact that I don't think the way Taylor has her fans was even accessible or in the realm of Jessica Simpson's wildest dreams that you could talk to women through your music and they would understand you and support you and fight for you because Jessica Simpson came out in the early aughts where Tommy Mottolo was telling her to lose 15 pounds or he would throw her off a bridge. And women had no power at all. What I'm saying is that our voice as women changed. Like teenage girls in 2007, as a collective, I do not think felt as confident and empowered to speak out for things that they liked the way that teenage girls now as a collective do, like the way they will love Taylor Swift and fight for Taylor Swift. I don't think Jessica Simpson fans at that age felt the agency that they could do at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's totally right. You were held up as an ideal. Her personal brand was not like inviting other women in and it's not necessarily her fault. It's how pop stars were packaged at that time. And so like in that context, seeing her at a football game, the only like paradigm we were used to is, oh, that's a trophy wife, trophy girlfriend. Like that's why she's there because she was hot enough that like the big boy sportsmen wanted to date her. Whereas yeah. Taylor's presence there, she's 
created, as you said, a career of inviting women in and sharing with them, sharing experiences with them. So they want to experience these things with her. And she has an army. She has an army behind her. And I, I love this. Like, Taylor Swift has made art for women her whole life Mm -hmm. and has fostered a community. And now she is one of the most powerful figures in America. And it's very cool that all comes from women liking her music. That's like a woman, that's a woman power engine, Mm -hmm. which is like awesome to look at. Totally. Okay. I also want to just point out that for decades, we have allowed female pop stars and female actresses to rise to become our queen. And the moment they are there, we kick them in the face and we make them pay. Whitney Houston, she gets huge and then she's getting booed. Britney Spears, she's getting huge and then we're making fun of her for shaving her head. Now is the first moment in history where we don't throw women away when they immediately get successful. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do. Okay, let me be clear. We definitely do. However, I think it's gotten slightly better. It's like, you know, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Anne Hathaway is back. And I just think there's a shift in how we look at women. It's small, but it's a shift. And I don't want to say that fully and wholly, you guys. I know we still do. I'm just saying progress, small progress. Yeah. And I mean, Taylor Swift kind of was in a way with the whole Kim Kardashian, the reputation era scandal, but she just put it in her art. And like, that's why it's so satisfying to see this because she looks like she's having a lot of fun at these games. And it's like, good for you because you can't do anything without the whole world judging every move you make. So like, I hope you are having a good time. That's so interesting too. Like she has had such giant moments of backlash and feeling at the bottom, but it has never stopped her from being able to come back. And that's what feels maybe new. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Also just like women aging and women making pop music. And it used to only be a few breakthrough people like Cher could do it, but that's Cher, (laughs) you know? And now it just feels a lot more like a trajectory. We allow women to age and continue to make music that we like. So you can't just put Taylor Swift at the end of the assembly line and like start building a new blonde girl because that's not Taylor Swift. And I think for years, the idea was like, yeah, you use them up, you throw them out because a newer, younger model is coming and they all make the same kind of music anyway. That is so beautifully said. And it's like, yes, it is because she puts it in her art. She shares her art and she makes her own art and she opens up which I think is so beautiful, one, as a concept, but two, it's the idea of ownership of your art. Mm -hmm. And you're not just singing like some songs some Swedish man wrote for you, a la what happened in the 2000s. And so another cool way to think of women getting power right now, too, of like make your own work, make art about it, because the women who we do still treat as like throw them away and trash them, I think would be closer to the ones who are just sort of feeling that old idea of like, I'm a trophy wife, like a Kendall Jenner. Like you could argue that she is the least respected of that family Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she seems to not be contributing. Yeah. (laughs) No, as much, as much as the others. She's like, I don't want to do it. And you're like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We're going to take a quick break right now and we'll be right back. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life and I can't believe it, but I got to write my own and it comes out on June 4th and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir 
but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains. But you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role. And we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book. It matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, let's dive back into the episode. You had this really good point about men who get mad at women liking traditionally masculine things. Yeah. But not the re- so not the reverse. Like women aren't mad when men like the great British bake off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really sad result of patriarchal thinking and like to be clear like I feel bad I'm like the misogynist mindset though is just like let, yeah, like it's not men, it's yes, misogynist. Exactly, exactly. Which can be any gender, y'all. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Obviously, we're like using very like men, women language, but it starts so young. I know like Gina Davis, she started a whole foundation because there were like no female cartoon characters or female characters in children's show. Everyone on Sesame Street was a boy. And we didn't even notice because we asked little girls to identify with male characters all the time. But the like common advice is like, oh, men won't do the same. And then that carries up through like all our content. And so for misogynists, it's just like, oh, if women like the thing I like, that devalues it because now it's feminine. Whereas women are just like, oh, cool. More people like the thing I like. That's probably beneficial to the things I like. And that's great. And it's just this really sad worldview. And, And that's why they get angry, I think, is because they feel encroached upon and they feel like it's actively making their thing worse. And so like, I have gotten really into the Formula One show on Netflix. And so have a lot of other women because they made like this fun documentary about this sport. And then now a bunch of us are following it. And there's a lot of like TikTok girlies making these fun videos about it. And so many men are like so angry about that show existing and about like the idea that, which is so crazy to me because new fans for the things you like should be like a universally happy experience. Absolutely. And it's this thing of like, hot girls don't gatekeep, misogynists do. Yeah, (laughs) it's not just like, this is my boy thing. One thing I wanted to say, if you don't mind me just like saying it now, a lot, especially towards Jessica Simpson, a lot of the criticism leveled at her was that she was distracting Tony Romo. And I think Taylor Swift has gotten maybe like a little less, maybe more so like the people watching on TV are distracted by her. But the idea to me of picturing like yourself as a football player in a crowded stadium and playing a game that should be holding most of your attention. And the idea that like your girlfriend is like 30 stands up and she's distracting you is just so wild to me. Like the bounds people will go to blame a woman for something. Like I'm picturing her like she's just standing there. He can't see her. And also like 
that's about probably more than half of being a professional athlete is your mental fortitude, like the ability to shut potential distractions out. So it's like, even if she is being distracting, it's still his job to resist that distraction. Like it's still not her fault because he's a professional athlete and that's what they have to do. Yeah, I would want to see her just like full flashing the stadium. And then I'd be like, well, I guess that was a little distracting. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. Another thing we have to talk about is, and again, this is Corinne's point, but it is the difference Taylor being perceived as more talented than Jessica Simpson was perceived at that time. So is Taylor being sort of country music, a songwriter? Is that the difference here? I don't know. Yeah, I think the idea of songwriting in general is like something Taylor's always had. And we do assign that a lot of weight, even though Aretha Franklin didn't write her songs and you would never argue with her being a musical genius, but it's like literature adjacent. So I think we're like, oh, that makes that makes her really smart. But I think, was this after Jessica had her TV show? Yes, it was because, you know, Nick was her first. And so she's already done like Tuna is the chicken of the sea. So she was seen as just like the dumbest woman alive. Yeah. Yeah. Which again, just wild. And Jessica Simpson's very talented. But yeah, it was like, oh, you're blonde. So... I guess we're going to decide that you're very stupid. One thing to point out is that Taylor's musical repertoire is 10 to 20 times Jessica Simpson. Jessica Simpson actually pulled out a really small amount of music. Mm -hmm. And the second album, the song that went big was a cover. Mm -hmm. And then she kind of becomes the reality star. And then she becomes more known for her dating life. Yes. One thing just blew my mind because I had somehow blocked this out was that George... Bush made a joke about Jessica Simpson and Tony Romo. Like, that's how high this went. I want to make sure we're not underselling how bad it was, the Jessica Simpson situation. It was vicious. Entire stadiums of thousands and thousands of people would booing her her when she just wanted to watch her boyfriend's game. Yeah, he made a joke about sending her to the Democratic National Convention. Like, because she makes makes people people lose. lose. Yeah. Okay. And then by comparison, Taylor Swift was talked about by Donald Trump. Now, granted, that is not the president. (laughs) Hours before the kickoff of the Super Bowl, Donald Trump had a message for Taylor Swift. Don't endorse Joe Biden because everyone was afraid that Taylor Swift, who literally learned how to become political like four years ago, was going to go onto the field of the Super Bowl and endorse Biden to sway the Democrats. Now, In truth, I got to be honest, I hope Taylor Swift does do something democratically down the line. I don't think that was the right moment. And obviously no one did. She didn't do it. But Trump was like, there will be a holy war against Taylor Swift if she endorses Joe Biden. But to compare George Bush actively making fun of her, talking about her in a way that could dig the Democrats, Trump seemingly afraid of her, perhaps the only thing he's afraid of in life, that's power. Yeah, like acknowledging her power in a weird and like, psychotic way, but like acknowledging the fact that she has a lot of power. Yeah. Yeah. Now something we must discuss, Jessica and Taylor both dated John Mayer. Poor girls. (laughs) Neither deserved it. Poor girls. And I think pretty close together too, because Taylor dated him in 2009. When she's like 19. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now this one really trips me up. Jessica Simpson eviscerates John Mayer in her memoir by simply telling the truth. She doesn't dog on him. She's just like, here's what this man did. 
And then says she's been afraid to talk about it. She's been afraid of John Mayer and what he'll do to her, but she's still going to put the book out. By contrast, Taylor asked people to be nice to John Mayer at a concert before singing her song, Dear John, which I just can't wrap my head around it. I think that the Red Taylor's version came out first, and that's the one that Jake Gyllenhaal, the song was about him on. So like people started shitting all over him, and it got so bad that I think she was like, okay, please don't. And then Speak Now came out afterwards, which is the one with the song about John Mayer on it. And so then she had to be like, okay, like be nice to John, because I think it was starting to look a little bit bad. She's like doing these to reclaim her content, not to like attack these men. Yeah. Also interesting because Tony Romo could have said, don't attack Jessica Simpson. When I was researching for this episode, he just commented on the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing because he was asked his opinion about it because of dating Jessica Simpson. And he said nice things about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, but he didn't say anything about Jessica. He kind of ignored the premise of the question and just was like, we love Taylor and Travis. But it was wild to me that he wouldn't take the moment to be like, well, yeah, it's a lot of attention. And, you know, Jessica never deserved that from our, our fans or anything like and that. And we really, we really did her wrong. Yeah. Or even just say, but I wish Jessica the best, like anything. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. It's so wild to me. Well, again, he did use garbage bags as his curtains when he was a literal millionaire. He also broke up with her the day before her 29th birthday, which is like a real Leo DiCaprio light move. <laughs> very, very true. Now, a couple last things. So Taylor was only shown on the Super Bowl broadcast for 54 seconds. Wild. 54 seconds. And, and it went into overtime. I'm sure it was one of, if not the longest Super Bowl ever. 54 seconds of that time. I'm going to quote a really cool gal I know myself. I was interviewed by Tink Media when this podcast started. Lauren Passell, who's so great. And she asked me this question. This was the answer I gave, and I'm so proud of myself. She said, women in podcasting are constantly being criticized for their voices. What is your relationship with yours? How would you describe your voice? And I said, people critique women's voices because they literally aren't used to hearing from us. Yeah. If women had 50% of the voice in our media and culture for the last 100 years, higher voices or whatever would not sound so off to people. More female voices out there are the only thing that will normalize it. I have not had any critiques on my voice, but only when we have full equality will I even be motherfucking open to it. The fact that you're quoting yourself with that quote is really iconic behavior. <laughs> and I like, honestly, I do feel a little cringe, but I feel like no. yeah, this is the episode where you're like, lean into your power. Absolutely. <laughs> it's also true that part of what people hate when they're hearing women's voices is vocal fry which is a thing that women do to be taken seriously because they lower their voices. And so it's like, you cause the problem and you're mad about the problem also. Women should talk however they want to, but it's like you're ignoring the fact that part of what you're being bothered by is an adaptive measure women have had to take to try to be successful in a man's world. Yeah, I have a lot of, and I think lots of people and lots of women have a lot of people-pleasing tendencies. And when you are a woman, like, to then change your voice to be softer, to be cuter, to be mm -hmm. sweeter, to laugh at everything you say, to make everything a question because you're just totally fucking unsure. What? Like those are also measures to be like, don't be mad, don't be mad, <laughs> don't <laughs> be mad. And then they're like, I hate your voice. And you're like, oh, okay. fuck. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, so to wrap this up, there's two points I think we should make. One is how many people tuned in for the Super Bowl and how important football is. It's so important. I read 200 million people tuned in for either all or part of it. 
And this is a crazy fact. This is where I come around to like my initial conclusion where I'm like, oh, it's actually just all about Taylor Swift, which is that it was the most watched U.S. broadcast since the moon landing. The moon landing. And it was a game between two teams who had made recent Super Bowl appearances. So it was also not a game, in my opinion, that would have like drawn record viewers. It wasn't an underdog story. It wasn't any of those things. So I really think the best explanation is just Taylor Swift. Yeah, coming in and like these two forces fusing. I also want to say like, I may not be a football fan. However, I think it is so important and such a huge part of our culture in a world where we don't see live things anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't come home on Thursday night to watch a sitcom air live. Those numbers are gone. Mm -hmm. We don't go in person for many things post pandemic. So it is such a big deal that the Super Bowl and football games like exist and hold their numbers. I love that it had so many people watching. Like it kind of feels like bringing human interaction back. Yeah. And that said, this might just be specific to me because I had such a harrowing uh, experience in high school, but watching the artsy cool girl date the football guy who screams violently at his coach mid game oh. and sings Viva Las Vegas into the microphone, mm-hmm. knowing that like she would never normally date someone like that. Watching them together, I, I do feel like I am being shoved back into high school where like we are all watching the prom king and queen at football games right now. Yeah. And I feel I, it is giving, that part is giving me the ick. I don't want to go back to high school personally. I, that's so interesting. Cause I was thinking something similar. I was in the marching band all through high school and college. Hot brag. I'm also very happy football exists, but just because I think that everyone should be in the marching band because it's just the best people you'll ever meet. I was thinking about why this works. So we understand it's because it's Taylor Swift, but it's like, why not Beyonce though? Like, why not, you know, and there's like a million reasons, but I think that Taylor Swift has just like cringe proofed herself. She has built a brand on earnestness and she's so earnest that she's like inoculated. Like she can go into any situation and people like her fans and people who become her fans, I think are able to just like really assign her the best of intentions in a way where it doesn't surprise me that you're getting the it because the two of them together are just like so earnest. I think I am a little like, yeah, that doesn't necessarily do it for me, but I see the appeal. I think there's something like really appealing about someone who's just like able to go do something and support someone in what feels like in a very unironic way. Yeah. And I think to to be clear, my ick is not about Taylor and, and Travis. It's about having so much attention being put on the popular girl and the football guy as a concept, as yeah. a high school concept. You know, I'm from small towns. Like those were the gods of the school. Mm-hmm. So right now they're the gods of pop culture. And I'm like reverting back of like, oh my God, our most popular people are the football guy and the popular girl, yeah. which is a really weird cultural moment to be in. And that said- I don't want this to happen at all. However, since we're talking about how beloved, how powerful, how all this stuff is with her, will it turn? And I'm saying that because of the Celine Dion moment. Mm -hmm. I don't think that really dinged her too much, but that was negative. Mm -hmm. And how she acted, the sort of like oversaturation moment that we sometimes see. Will there be blowback to this and her career? I hope not. Will there be blowback to his? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I only feel him getting more popular. So I don't know that that's going to happen, but I 
hope we see something different than what we saw with Jessica and Tony. Yeah. Last question for you, Corinne. Would you ever want to catch some Kelsey? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I would rather be Taylor's bestie than catch some Kelsey. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. I think that's true. Corinne, thank you so much for coming on. You guys, her socials are not public, but if you leave some comments on the Patreon, you may be able to catch yourself some Corinne. And she is always out and about. Sometimes she is on this podcast and sometimes she's at the live shows in New York. So yeah. you can see Corinne then. And Corinne, thank you so much for DMing me. Thank you for hanging on for six months until we finally decided it is time to talk about it. Perfect timing. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I love this. This is my favorite thing to talk about, anything pop culture. So I'm having, I had an amazing time. And you guys, weigh in in the comments. Why is it different? A huge thank you to our podcast producer, Christina Lopez, our executive producer, Jordan Moncada, our sound engineer, Marcus Hom, and our associate producer, Jaron Padre. I also want to give a huge thank you to our incredible partners over at Pattern Brands, Paquetto, Gear, and Yield. They have amazing glassware and candles and tiny spoons. They help us make a stunning tequila cocktail with our other partners at Tenteo Tequila. We will link to all of it in the show notes. Everything is in the show notes that you have heard from this episode. And if you have any more questions, go to the Patreon chat lounge and I will see you there. <laughs>